The Drew Marshall Show, reminding you that two thongs still don't make it right. I can't walk out because I love you too much, baby. Why can't you see what you do? Tim, I, I just need to uh, tell you something. All right. We can go on together with suspicious plans. With suspicious plans. we can build our That's awkward. Imagine how this feels. He's probably listening somewhere in a donut shop in St. Catharines. <laughs> with Tupac Shakur. Uh, in Rob Ford. Oh, he's not dead yet. He's not dead yet. No, I didn't mean that. And by the way, I, I, I totally didn't mean that. I, man, I feel bad about saying that now. Oh well. No, what I meant was there was a sighting, Rob Ford sighting somewhere right. when he was mayor, and then it turned out not to be true. Stuff like that. So, uh, can you uh, can you bring up MC Yogi, please? I want to play. I want to play a track from from him. Go to mcyogi.com. Oh, okay. M like M the letter, and then C the letter, and then Yogi the Yogi. Hey, like boo-boo. He's a rapper kind of MC. Sort of, yeah. MCYogi.com. want to tell you about his uh, tour, which is coming up. It's a Canadian tour, ladies and gentlemen. MC Yogi Canadian Only Love Tour. Each stop includes a 60 to 90 minute yoga class with MC Yogi with music by DJ Drez, 30 minute Dharma talk with uh, uh, Yogi's wife, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Uh, one to one and a half hour concert dance that follows. They will be hitting Kelowna, Banff, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal. And the Toronto gig is Wednesday, November 18th, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. You can go to his website, mcyogi.com, to find out more about it. Let's have a little listen to MC Yogi. It's just a story of a simple Buddhist monk. This is the story of a simple Buddhist monk, Tenzin Gyatso, the reincarnation of Avalokiteshvara, the Buddha of compassion, born in Tibet, in the Honda region. Great Redding Rinpoche had a vision he foresaw a child who would be the next living Dalai Lama, but in order to what? know, what? they would first have to travel and find the boy. So they set out on a quest, traveling the road, following the sun. Little, little sample. Kind of got that type of student in English. There you go. Thank you. God bless the child. Yeah. Yeah, I was born on the north side, close to the shore side, Golden Gate Bridge, where I lived for a short while. Wow. my parents stood up. And I had to get up, I had to get up, get out, find out what it was about. Sometimes I made me scream and it made me want to shout. There was so much anger, pain, hatred, and doubt. Had to anyway, a way. oh, and I get in trouble when I barely bump the table. I didn't do anything. I don't know what happened. Okay. What was that said before the show about? We are going to uh, phone a listener right now. We'll probably get our answering machine and we'll leave a lovely little message. But I thought this would be fun to do. Every once in a while, I wonder if people actually listen to this show. <laughs> don't tell the advertisers. Just kidding. Hello? Is it ringing? Hi, Drew. It's Anita. 
Anita. Hi, Anita. We we wanted to call you during the Drew Marshall show and say hi, oh Anita. Gosh. This is Drew on the Drew Marshall show. Oh, hey. Thank you're, you. You're live on the air. What do you have to say to all of our listeners? Hi. Wow. That just that just kind of goes along with the rest of the awkward moment we've been having. <laughs> it's worth the ten minutes. To Anita, get that. how long have you been listening to the show for? Oh my gosh. 2007. Wow. How did you pull that number out of your hat? Really? That's how long I've been listening to your show. But I'm actually at the gym right now. Oh, you're at the gym? Are you working? Uh, yes and no. I'm here <laughs> for a workshop. Oh. <laughs> uh, so when you saw the number call through, did you know it was us? Well, I, I saw the number was, from, Oak, from, was uh, from Oakville, and I saw that when I, well, when I answered, um, I heard your voice, and I'm like... <laughs> so you heard that? me talking, and that was when we were trying to resolve our technical conflicts. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. Anita, I just wanted to say thank you for being one of our longest, most faithful listeners. You're, you're a great person. Uh, we met one time for coffee, if you remember, yes. a long time ago. Yes, I remember. Yes, and, uh, 2012. And I've been very proud of the way you've been progressing in life. So you go, girl. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Okay. Have you liked us on Facebook yet? Oh, yeah. she's she's She is just a fantastic listener of our show. She's in the number one club. So anyway, go back to your <laughs> thing, Anita. It was great talking to you. You too. Thanks, Kay. Drew. Bye. Sorry about that earlier. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Bye. Bye. Man, that totally didn't work the way I thought it was going to work. Well, you know what? She might have seen the like 1250 call numbers as a call display. So it, I'll, I'll, I'll surprise you. We, you know what we should do? We haven't done this for a while. We What's should that? do random phone calls again. Oh, yeah. We always call the, the flower book. shops. Yes. Because <laughs> this one lady goes, you've called before. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yes, I remember that. And do you remember when we had the great idea to go out and do man on the street videos and then just stopped? It would, I thought they were cool. I guess we just didn't pursue them. I don't like. To, I don't like talking to strangers. Okay, it's just I don't know. I gotta. You kind of do it with the radio show. I mean, you don't necessarily know these people super well before you talk to them. You ask them pretty intimate questions. Folks, coming up momentarily on the show. Well, let's see. At around two thirty, it's the pub crawl, and uh, we are going to talk about a few issues like spiritual leaders. Why are so many of them bullies? Would you go to church if it only met once a month? Why does doubt and asking the wrong questions not go over well in religious institutions? We'll be chatting with Jim Henderson from Once a Month Church. I like that. That would is be that, cool. It, maybe is that not? Maybe that's not scriptural. Hey, well, don't do not forsake the meeting of believers. It doesn't say. But how it doesn't often, say how right? often. But what about Sabbath and you know once a week? Does and, it say we're supposed to meet on the Sabbath? It never said that we're supposed to keep the day holy and we're supposed to rest and we're supposed to recover and say yay God. David Hayward will also be joining us. He is the Naked Pastor. Mm. Folks, it's time for our WTF segment, and that's where we catch up with uh, a variety of religion reporters from an assortment of news outlets, and we catch up on the happenings in the world of religion and faith and cults. Oh, my. <laughs> I went for the George Takai sound there. Today's oh WTF guest is Kimberly Winston. She's the national correspondent with uh, Religion News Service. Hello, Kimberly Winston. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. We're a bit we're a bit scattered in the studio today. Mm-hmm. I feel discombobulated, Tim. Do you? I you look discombobulated. Shut I don't up. even know what it means. Kimberly, what's going on? Are you on the left coast right now? I am. I am in. Uh, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I'm calling you from a friend's house in Mill Valley. Okay, in Mill Valley, Australia. Yes, ten points if you can name what famous TV character lived in Mill Valley. Hmm. Famous TV character <laughs> was he from Green Acres? Mm-hmm. From Green Acres. No. Was it Arnold the Pig? <laughs> no, I don't no. know. Who is it? Who is it? Arnold. Oh, no, no. Uh, BJ, BJ. From MASH. BJ, yes. 
Yeah, <laughs> ten points. <laughs> Look at Tim. Tim's so excited. He finally got something right in his life. Yeah, other than my wife. Wait, are there two Mill Valleys in um, in California? Because I used to live. There's a Mill Valley that's a really hole in the wall, nothing place, on the way up to a Kings Canyon, just outside of Fresno. You're not there, are you? No, okay. I'm in the Mill Valley. That is definitely not a hole in the wall. Nothing, uh, just north of San Francisco, yeah, off yeah. of 101. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. the real Mill Valley. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Hey, listen, let's talk about some mm-hmm. of the uh, some of the uh, uh, things that you've been talking about. Um, Pew values. That just sounds like a, a, an aroma sensor. Aromatherapy. S- aromatherapy. Pew values. Um, <laughs> But Did you know, know that a scientific study just released says farts can help cure cancer? Would you stop you, it? Well, I just... We're trying to get serious here for once. It is serious. It can cure cancer. Kimberly Winston. Well, then I will never get cancer, let me tell you. I've saved thousands of lives. Kimberly Winston on the phone with us, national correspondent, religious news service. Pew Values uh, came out with a study that was released... <laughs> I just said released. <laughs> Let's cut to the chase here. Oh, I'm a 12-year-old boy. Um, was released okay, okay. Monday, uh, and, it, and it's telling us that Americans, that's you guys, are continuing to grow less religious. Now, that's not a newsflash, though, is it, Kimberly? It's not a newsflash. What is interesting, it's not a newsflash because Pew, uh, I think Pew first told us this in, if I remember correctly, October 2012, that uh, they had a study called The Rise of the Nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And it was people who say they uh, have no religious affiliation. They might be religious, they might be spiritual, but they have no religious affiliation. Therefore, the the terminology to nuns. But what's interesting about this is it shows that that trend is not a blip, that um, uh, the overall um, U.S. adult adult population is becoming slightly less religious in the seven years since um, they last. Uh, took some took some figures. We've gone from being 92% of Americans say they uh, have religious affiliation to 89%. So it just shows that that wasn't a blip, that this is a continuing trend. So it is kind of a big deal, but it's not a newsflash. Right, right. Well, it, I think it'll be interesting to see where all of that uh, kind of levels off in the next, mm-hmm. what, 20 years, I think, right? I, I because Phyllis Tickle, I, t- I mentioned this quite a fair bit on our show, but Phyllis Tickle, the famous theologian, says that every 500 years there's a huge boom that happens in the in the yeah. church scene, in the Jesus scene. And she says we are due yeah. for that boom. The boom is happening. She thinks the boom, whatever the boom is, like kaplow. Kaplow? What are we I'm in? Thinking a Batman? Of Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Crash, bang. Um, uh, she, there yeah. it is, yeah. She thinks that it might have something to do with, uh, with, with this uh, nun's stuff. If that makes any hmm. sense to anybody, I think Phyllis. I think Phyllis was right, and Phyllis was uh, something of a prophet. I really think um, um. I miss her very much, um, but um, she's right. And um, we are. I think as Americans, we are only going to grow uh, less religious because what studies like the Pew study show is that it's really younger Americans who are leading this trend is older Americans who continue to be religiously affiliated. Right. And so as the younger generation replaces the old, we're only going to see this grow. Now, you, you asked about a newsflash in this study, and I think one of the most interesting things about this study is that it shows there is a growing 
um, acceptance of homosexuality among religious groups in the United States, and it's pretty dramatic growth <clears throat> since 2007. Well, and you know... I, I meant... Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's a lovely segue into the fact that uh, Orthodox Judaism has said no again to women rabbis, but the Reform Judaism gang, are they're fine with transgenders. Yes, and they're also fine with um, LGBTQ. They ordain LGBTQ rabbis. I believe they also ordain transgender rabbis, or they have... Um, I know they at least have transgender uh, rabbinical candidates in Reform Judaism, but uh, Orthodox Judaism has, again, for I think it's the third time, but this time most forcefully, said no women rabbis in uh, Orthodox Judaism. And it comes in response to, um, there is a uh, rabbinical school in New York City that started ordaining uh, women Orthodox rabbis, um, I think about five years ago, and the number of women in those classes has grown, and I think they've now ordained a dozen, and they, you know, they, they have jobs. Yeah. And um, they finally just said, you know, first they said, you know, we don't agree with this, but whatever, I'm sure we can find a place for these women somewhere, but let's not call them rabbis. And now they're saying, no, <laughs> no, no women rabbis. Yeah. In that is just so weird. Now, I just want to jump back to the nuns for a second, and, and I've got to keep explaining mm-hmm. to people. They, they should have come up with a better branding name, because it just is confusing when you say the nuns. Um, but the mm-hmm. N-O-N-E-S, are they big enough and organized enough to actually play a role in the upcoming presidential election, or no? Hmm. Uh, yes and no, which is a, a, a wussy way of answering, but it's true. Um, yes, in that they have, according to this same study, they now account for 28% of those who say they lean or vote Democratic. That's huge. I think the largest number behind that in the Democratic Party is Catholics, and I think that's like 21%, but it's, it's, that's huge. But the problem is, multiple problems. For one thing, um, nuns are by definition not joiners. So they don't necessarily join these parties. Um, they aren't necessarily always likely to go out and vote as as, as likely as um, some religious people are. And they're all over the map because to be a nun, N-O-N-E, uh, doesn't mean that, it, that you don't have anything else in common. Like you could be totally, you could disagree on so many other things, but how do you unite such a disparate group? under any one banner. So the, the trick is going to be for the Democrats or any other group to figure out how to reach these people on a secular or non, non-religious level and organize them enough to vote. That's where the no comes in. Okay. All right. Uh, folks, again, we are on the phone during our WTF segment with Kimberly Winston. She is a national correspondent with Religion News Service. The website is religionnews.com, religionnews.com. Uh, Kimberly, I, I'm just looking at the clock here, and we've sort of got time for. Well, we can maybe we'll do a couple here. We'll see how it goes. But I, I, I want to. This is a. This one hurts my brain. Okay, can you explain yeah. to me uh, what is <laughs> what is going on behind the Hindu on Muslim violence over cows in India? Yeah, this one. This one is hard. I think this one is hard for Americans or um, non-Hindus and Muslims to to grasp. Um, 
There has been a rise in violence in India recently um, that, uh, that has culminated in the last six weeks with four Muslims have been killed, allegedly at the hands of predominantly Hindu mobs. And what they've been killed for is they these mobs, these groups, suspected the Muslims of either slaughtering cows or eating beef, like having, you know, a hamburger in their refrigerator. Mm. And, um, you know, Hindus consider the cow to be sacred. Um, to them, it is a representation of um, all that is holy in the world, all that is sacred about life. They, they, they associate it with a couple of their gods. It's not something that they, they don't worship cows. But it's like a sign of of their god. So to to kill a cow or otherwise hurt a cow, especially to eat it, is absolutely taboo. So um, there's just been this uptick in violence, and, and what some people are saying it has to do with is the relatively new prime minister of India, uh, Narendra Modi. He's a um, part of the Hindu Nationalist Party, and he's made some speeches in the last couple of months, saying that there is, quote, widespread killing of our cows. And some people have taken this very much to heart. They've, they've formed these vigilante groups that go around and, you know, try to find slaughtered cows and people with, with beef in their fridge. And the people, with, if they have people suspected of having beef in their fridge, are Muslims, and then they're dragging them out and killing them. Hmm. I don't understand it either. I can't get my head around that. Man, well, we've That's heard of... One of those stories that just... Yeah, we, stories that just makes you want to go back to bed in the morning. It does. It's like listening to my show. Um, it is, uh, <laughs> It is. you know, we've heard of holy wars. Now it's holy cows, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> somebody told me that somebody else wrote a book, and the theme of the book is Don't Kill Muslims. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I love this story. Yes. There is a evangelical pastor in Nashville who I met um, last time I was in Nashville. His name is Joshua Graves. And he's a pastor of a, of a large evangelical church. And he has written a book called How Not to Kill a Muslim. And the title is Deliberately Provocative. What he's saying is, we as Christians, especially evangelical Christians, need to re-examine um, the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Samaritan did not ask when he saw the, the person on the side of the road, he did not say, well, what tribe is that guy? Hmm. What, what, where is that guy from? What religion is that guy? Is he different from me? He simply embraced him, cared for him. And um, the reason he, Joshua Graves calls it uh, How Not to Kill a Muslim is the story in the Bible where Jesus says, even if you think about um, hating someone or killing someone, it says, if you committed that sin. And so that's what he's getting at, is he's trying to get evangelicals and anyone um, not to think of Muslims or anyone who's different than they are as the other, because Jesus considers it like committing that sin again. You know, that brings into question something we talked about on the show last week, was uh, there's a lot of old Jesus songs that it basically was us and them. Like, we're yeah. we're um, the chosen, and we're going to hang out with Jesus, and you guys suck, right. kind of songs. 
Um, right. And, and, you know, these are songs that Tim and I grew up singing at a Christian camp. Uh, and I, I look right. back on them now and go, wow, that is so, first of all, it's really arrogant. Second of all, it's right. just stupid. <laughs> okay. Uh, like... Like onward, Christian soldiers. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There, there was yeah. there. Were, we, I, I kind of highlighted. Uh, well, let, here, here's one for you: uh, the trumpet of Jesus by the Imperials. I listen to the trumpet of Jesus while the world hears oh. a different sound. I march to the drumbeat of God Almighty while the others just wander around. You know, it's an others theology. Oh, wow! Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, my 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 church didn't have that. <laughs> no? Okay. We had Onward Christian Soldiers and, and Battle Hymn of the Republic. That was the one that always got me. Yeah, yeah. It was why we were going to battle, and, and, and you know, teaching peace for going to battle. That's the one that always got me. Well, listen, you are a blast. I love having you on the show. Kimberly Winston, <laughs> National Correspondent, Religion News. Go to the website, religionnews.com, and there you will find all things religion newsy. So good to chat with you, Kimberly <laughs> Winston. Enjoy your Saturday on the left coast. Thank you. Anytime. You guys rock. Okay. So bye, Kimberly. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. I'm doing the hand cup wave. Why are we playing Batman? Kapow, bang, boop, oh, yeah. remember? Yeah. Boop. Sorry. Did you say boop? <laughs> I did. I think Robin did that well, one episode. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Laid a little egg. <laughs> Holy excrement, Batman. <laughs> <laughs>